Hi, welcome to Pod of Mercy. I am your host, Longhair Linda, and today's returning guest co-host is... Hi, it's me, Nathan again. How are you doing, Linda? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really good today, yeah. This is actually going to be the um, the first episode back of 2022. I'm a bit late. <laughs> I've left it to like the last week of January, but we're here. We're here now. Better late than ever. Better late than ever. That's, that's literally my whole mantra for life. <laughs> Working out well so far, sort of. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, you can tell from the title of this episode that we will be wrapping up Mr. Robot by talking about the final season, season four. And uh, we're going to break this up into three parts. So we're going to be talking about the first four episodes of season four today. Four, four. I like that. Good symmetry. All right. You ready to talk about episode one? Yes. Jump right in. Jump right in. Okay. So... We got uh, the little previously on and we kind of saw what happened, all the crazy that happened in season three. Um, and then it kind of led straight into the episode with absolutely no warning to a point where I was questioning myself, like, hang on, did we see this at the end of... Like, I had this. I had the same thing as well, where I just can't... And once I saw the skip recap button disappear, I think it was about a minute afterwards, I thought, right, this is definitely new stuff now. Like they they did that so seamlessly. Like it was seamless, like like more seamless than I think I've seen maybe in any show. Mm. Um, I could be wrong, but I've not seen a um a season continuation that seamless before. I just you know. But anyway, so we are outside this mansion. Um, you know where Philip had revealed to Angela that she's his daughter, and they were having that whole conversation in season three. Um, so Angela basically wants to expose White Rose and thinks that she can do it because she's seen her project and she's got like inside info on it. Uh, Philip Price begs her to stop, but she just keeps talking about how she's going to stop White Rose. Um, she's going to do all this stuff. Da, 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 da. Then she looks over, she can see something in the distance, which we don't see as the audience. Um, but she freezes for a second and Philip says, you know, you don't understand. I've been trying to stop her from killing you. Angela goes to sit back down on the bench saying that she won't run. And the camera follows Philip as he's walking very sadly away from her while these two men in masks, the dark army masks, walk past him and towards Angela. As Philip is ripping out a mic, like a lapel mic type thing from his shirt, one of the men pulls a gun and shoots Angela in the back of the head twice. I know we normally do like a recap at the end, but I just needed to stop there for a second because I wanted to get your reaction on Angela's death. I know obviously this is the second time round of you mm. watching it, but what was your reaction when you saw that? It's still just so, it's just shocking. Like it, it sets the stakes quite high and it, set, it sets the tone really well for the characters later on as well. Mm -hmm. And it's what you've got to think about at the same time is, because like, it took me a bit to realise this, is this is how happening concurrently with everything happening in that barn at the end of season three. Yeah, all, all of this is lining up at the same same time. It's weird to think that whilst they're having that slightly triumphant moment there, this is happening elsewhere. But yeah, it's shocking. But I, I think part of like Angela seemed really accepting of it. That whole "I'm not going to run" thing made me doubt whether she was about to die. Because at first, I was like, when she looked over in the distance, I was like, oh, they're coming to kill her. Because you, you hear like a car door open. Oh, I didn't hear that. I only realised it because of the subtitles, thankfully, which I had to change because they always go over the like all the uh, spoken Chinese subtitles. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Really drew my head in. 
um, yeah, they, you hear like a, you can hear it quite faintly in the background, like a car door open. So she sees like those dark army guys coming. But I think part of it as well is she's bought so much into what White, White Rose has said that she just kind of assumes it will be fine. I don't know if it's that though, because she was saying how she wanted to expose White Rose because she realized mm. that it wasn't real. Like that her project wasn't real and so all of those people did die in vain and she did help facilitate that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if she felt that way or if she was just like, well, what's the point of me trying to... I think it was more like a guilt thing maybe, like... Yeah. You know, that that kind of hopelessness that comes from when you've done something really shitty and then she's just like, well, it is what it is, like, where am I going to go? Yeah, but she spent most of season three being like anyway like she yeah she was like she was checked out for most of it after after she did what she did which to me says that she never really truly in her heart of hearts believed in mm. this project because if you really believed that all these people weren't actually dead and that they'd be coming back you wouldn't feel like that do you know what i mean like you wouldn't go mm. crazy like that for lack of a better term yeah like she so yeah, so Angela Angela died right at the beginning of episode one. Yeah. Another detail I quite liked was um, when Price is walking away and he takes that wire off from his chest. Mm-hmm. Is how it sounds like he's turning off the audio for the scene. It's like yes, it all becomes really distorted afterwards. Afterwards, like I really liked that. It sounded like we were hearing them through that mic. Yeah, that's what he was taking off. Yeah, I, I see what you mean there. It was re- it was really cool. It was really really cool. Um, so we cut to inside the mansion where Philip um, is obviously like distraught and he smashes a, a vase and then a very kind of shaky camera comes to like did you notice that that really shaky kind of camera angle yeah I'm um, going towards him I guess to signify that he's all over the place um, as his phone is ringing and White Rose is on the speaker saying that uh, she as in Angela made her choice made her choice choice is that allowed when it comes to you no no you you did this to her you you, you recruited her and you you killed her and you let it happen didn't you it wasn't without a valiant attempt on your part though trying to talk some sense into her it isn't your fault that she wouldn't listen you give me enough time she 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 could have come around and then everything i said to her you are psychotic you're certainly not missing words today are you It's all psychotic. Philip, if you feel you must take this out on me, then I am happy to bear the burden. I've become very good at it over the years, don't you think? I've personally, I don't remember seeing Philip, I've seen him like lose his temper, but I've never seen him lose his call in that kind of like hopeless way. Mm. and White Rose basically just blames him for Angela's death and for not being able to control her. And then it was basically his fault, her fault. I also kind of like that White Rose says that, like, he's more than welcome to take it out on her. Yes, I thought that was really interesting. Like, I, I thought that was a lot more grace mm. than I would expect from White Rose. <laughs> just from how ruthless she is. I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, so we cut to White Rose's place as uh, he finish, she finishes up the phone call with Philip and um, her female advisor. I don't know. I don't know her name. Do you know her um, name? I write it down because she says it. Well, no, the, you've got the x-ray thing on Amazon Prime. So like, you can see like the character name sometimes. So I did it a couple of times just so I had accurate notes. She is called, I write it down somewhere here, Wong Shu. Wong Shu, okay. So Wong Shu warns White Rose about Elliot going rogue, basically, and it looks like uh, White Rose has plans to kill him too. So um, it doesn't really matter, <laughs> basically. Uh, White Rose says to herself that uh, she hopes that Elliot enjoys his last Christmas. Hmm. When she um, says about then, sending, sorry, I feel like you're about to say this. When she says about sending Elliot a reminder, in your head, did you kind of figure out what it was going to be beforehand? No. So obviously, we find out a bit later on. It was the picture of Angela dead. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Could, just the way, like White Rose says it, it kind of came to my mind. But also, another thing from this is I found it interesting how argumentative all of White Rose's assistants seem to be with her. They are and so argumentative. What the hell? Do you not realise this woman kills mm. people for fun? Like, I would not be arguing with someone like that. It's I don't know if it's maybe like they treat her differently to how they would treat Jang. Like, I'm not too sure on that one. Maybe it's like a thing where, oh, Shang's actually their boss. White Rose in, is like a different person in their head or something like that. I'm, I don't know. But I always find it quite interesting because like, the one that she had killed last season was the same yeah they're very mouthy mm. very mouthy so we cut to the opening credits this was all before the opening credits and it was uh, beautifully shot over new york city at christmas time um we got to some party where a guy already given me very very gross vibes uh, receives a package gary Busey's um, son as well i couldn't i couldn't stop realizing that he was gary Busey's son because they're like spitting images of each other oh my god they do look alike but he, he is literally gary Busey's son oh damn i, I didn't I don't remember okay. his first name though but i had to quickly double check it because i've seen him in a few things because it's literally for, for the briefest seconds it the is eyes just and gary Busey. are very much gary Busey. jake jake's his name yeah, he does. Yeah, he does look like his father. Oh, well, that's interesting to know. Um, so yeah, he gets a package and he plays the video that's inside the package, which is a recording of a very disgusting live chat with an underage mm. girl. Uh, this uh, nonce gets a phone call from Mr. Robot and we find out that his name is Freddy. Mr. Robot threatens to send the evidence to the FBI if Freddy doesn't click a link in his email, then copy his inbox onto the USB provided in the package. Um, it's It's got some kind of uh, sensitive client info, so Freddy doesn't want to do it, but Mr. Robot basically doesn't give a fuck and insists that he does. Freddy does as is told and gets in a taxi to hand off the USB at Grand Central Station as instructed. When he gets in the taxi, the news is playing and uh, the news anchors are discussing the reversal of Five Nine and how basically E Corp are now the good guys for saving the mm. day, including the CTO Tyrell Wellick. Tyrell's just a hero of the people now. I wrote, I made a note, this feels slightly prophetic for our current age a mm. little bit. It, I it think is. in kind of like the worship of these higher up figures that kind of were part of the problem to start with. 
Yep, and then they get all the credit for providing a solution to a problem that they fucking started. Yeah, it's, it's giving real life. It is. Um, so at Grand Central, Freddy follows Mr. Robot's instructions over the phone, but Mr. Robot has eyes on him and sees Freddy as being followed by two guys. I put Dark Army in question marks in uh, brackets here, and obviously we, we find out later that it is. Um, Freddy's done some coke at the party, so he's freaking out. But Mr. Robot gets him out of there through a series of moves and a little trickery. Um, what's weird is Mr. Robot was in the station. Yeah. Um, but Elliot was waiting for Freddy on the train. Yeah, so I quite liked how they did. They do a lot of inter- more interesting stuff with um, Elliot and Mr. Robot this season, I've noticed so far. Like how they're portraying them both on screen at the same time. Yeah. So essentially, Elliot was watching the CCTV footage and directing uh freddy to know where he needs to go so technically he had his eyes on the floor the whole time but they kind of dramatized it a bit by having mr robot be literally physically on the floor yeah and i i really enjoyed that aspect of it 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 threw me off a bit because there's a couple of things that throw me off a little bit this season where they really play into like the split personality side of it with like how other characters are interacting coming up I definitely do have a question coming up of trying to understand how the hell they did that. But yeah, they do that a lot so far. Freddie gets on the train and meets Elliot and um, pulls a gun on Elliot, asking for all of the copies of the video. And Elliot gets him to sit his stupid ass down and give him the drive. So Elliot confirms that it was the Dark Army following him to prevent him from sharing files because they're protecting one of his client, Zhi Zhang, AKA White Rose. Elliot is uh, searching for how White Rose funnels money and sees something about Cyprus National Bank. Freddie says that he has a contact there named John Garson, and that's the liaison at Cyprus National Bank. But Elliot has to leave as the Dark Army guys are making their way to the train. Turns out that the Dark Army were able to track Freddy via his ID badge. So as they've separated, Elliot and Freddy are now on the phone and Elliot's trying to get Freddy to go back to his office to get Garson's address. It suddenly dawns on Freddy that Elliot can't actually protect him from the Dark Army. So he asks Elliot not to send the video to his kids before shooting himself. I just want to pause here for a second because a lot of people just keep shooting themselves. Or like mm. killing themselves when they have nothing to do with the Dark Army. Like the Dark Army people do it, but now people outside of the Dark Army are doing it. And it's very weird to me. It's, yeah, I, I, I know it's a recurring thing that happens a lot with this. It's like, it happens a little bit later on in one of the other episodes we're going to talk about as well. But like that's, that was a Dark Army person anyway. But yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a strange reoccurring thing that keeps happening. It's like constant. It's quite mm. concerning at this point. But anyway, we move. So at E Corp, a very miserable looking Tyrell is being briefed before meetings um, by his assistant, who is like congratulating him on everything that's happened and blah, blah, blah. And Tyrell's just like, yeah, just give me a minute. Just not interested at all. Mm. And we cut to a very paranoid and weary looking Dom. She has clearly not been sleeping well and is basically afraid of her own shadow. Uh, She's staying at her mum's and ends up pulling a gun on a contractor who's come to renovate the master bathroom. That scene I don't think was meant to be funny, but I was cracking up. (laughs) I just thought it was so funny. They they do some really weird comedy that I find it always hits whenever they do do it. And like scenes like that, it's like that weird kind of sense of humour the show has. 
Yeah. And it, like that that scene, like I, I love the juxtaposition of like what Dom's mother is like in comparison to her as well. Yeah, Dom's mom is a weird one. Bless her. Um, so we go to All Safe, which is where Elliot appears to have set up a bit of a hub for himself at the All Safe offices. Um, Elliot wants to go to John Garson's house, but Mr. Robot wants to do a bit of research. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice here, sorry. Uh, wants to do a bit of research to find their way in. Elliot says that will take way too long as White Rose's shipment goes out next week and they'll be dead. So Mr. Robot says Elliot is taking this way too personally and that his feelings about what White Rose did to Angela are, you know, what what's the, what the focus is. Elliot says, fuck his feelings. He's only focused on taking down White Rose. And Darlene calls saying it's about their mum. Um, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, I was going to say, I think you can not about their mum. Ignore that. Pretend you didn't hear that. <laughs> Darlene calls and says it's about Angela. I don't know what I was doing with these notes. <laughs> okay, so Elliot and Darlene meet at Elliot's house or apartment. And a very, very high Darlene says that she's certain that she just saw Angela. Um, there was a very cool part here where Mr. Robot kind of took over to try and calm mm. her down. Uh, I mean, like, it didn't work. Yeah, but... I've made a note about it in one of the other ones. With it. It's like a strange role reversal where yes. you see kind of Elliot being both sides and Mr. Robot seems to be the more logical side. But I think it kind of goes along with where Elliot's mind is at at the moment. Well, I find, I find Mr. Robot is more pacifying as well. Mm. Like, he seems to be the more reasonable one, not even just logical, but, like, actually a bit kinder than Elliot. Elliot's mm. just gone super cold. Like, he wasn't he wasn't exactly warm before, but he was always a bit, like, afraid of... He didn't want to be mean to anybody. Yeah. Well, he has, like, a, he has, like, a later interaction, doesn't he? I think he's with Darlene then as well, where he just literally says, can you talk some sense into her? And Mr. Robot takes over and is, like, the calming voice. Because then, then they have like after that he like Elliot's a bit more forceful, and she literally goes, "Wait, is it is it you right now, or is it Mister Robot right now?" Yeah, that's that's in like three episodes time. So don't worry about that right now. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. Yeah, so it doesn't work. Mr. Robot taking over and trying to calm her down doesn't work. And Elliot then tells Darlene that she has to stop feeling guilty and accept that Angela is dead. Darlene says she's not the one that feels guilty and leaves. Mr. Robot asks why Elliot doesn't just show her the picture that White Rose sent them of Angela with her brains blown out. And Elliot says it would break her heart. Um, so there was a bit of, at least a little mm. bit of um, reasonability there because, God, imagine, like, don't show her that. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Like his heart's the right place, but also he's letting her go on quite a bad path by not showing her that bit of closure she'd need. Like it's it's a one way yeah you definitely want to show that, but also There's she's no going way. a bit off the rails right now you know yeah very much so. Well, as I was starting to write about because I was you know the show the episode was going on and I was start, I wanted to write a note about I've just noticed how Elliot and Mister Robot constantly refer to themselves as us this episode so far which kind of solidifies them as finally working as a team. As I was writing that. Mr. Robot is the one that actually starts narrating to us about filling in the gaps that we've missed. And it dawned on me, Elliot hasn't spoken to us once. <laughs> I was mm. like, what the fuck? And so now it's Mr. Robot speaking to us. 
and saying that Elliot is shutting down and living in the distraction, just like everyone at Christmas with Santa and Christmas trees and carols, etc. Um, Mr. Robot says that he doesn't give a shit about us, but like he doesn't give a shit about us or letting us in, but he knows that Elliot does give a shit about us and that he needs us right now as his friend, which I thought was cute as hell. Mm. Anyway, they get to John Garson's apartment building and Elliot poses as a delivery guy at the front desk and um, basically talks his way into the apartment. So he goes upstairs um, they, 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 they go upstairs, Mr. Robot and Elliot go upstairs and in Garson's apartment, Elliot's, uh, Garson's not there, so they go in and start searching the place. There's like dust everywhere, empty cupboards and drawers, there's like labels that are still on the lampshades, it's very clear no one actually lives there and it's all a bit of a front. Um, and when Mr. Robot goes to try the door, it's locked. Signals are jammed. The phone, the like landline phone that's there isn't connected. Like there's no way out. There's no way to contact anyone. Elliot says Freddie set them up and that it must have been a distress signal that they, likely the Dark Army, gave to Freddie. Um, back at the front desk, two guys go in and we see them dragging Elliot out through the security cameras on the front or the, the footage from the security cameras on the front desk screens, which I thought was really, really cool because then we got mm. to see Elliot again. We never left the lobby, basically. We just saw it all through the screens and then we saw them drag Elliot out of the lobby kind of thing, which was cool. Um, well, you were speaking of Dom's mum. So speaking of uh, <laughs> Dom's mum, so back at their place and uh, they're having dinner with a woman called Janice. Dom's mum asked Dom to help Janice carry out the leftovers to her car and after a very awkward interaction about taxidermy and wherever else, Dom says bye and apologises to Janice for her mum trying to set them up. Turns out Janice is a dark army plant and um, says it's starting to look really suspicious that Dom has been putting off an interview to clean up Santiago's mess at the FBI. Um, Janice threatens her if she doesn't go back to work and act like everything's normal and says that she will cut her mum from mouth to cunt. I fucking love that. So Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's honestly just such a it's such a visceral image, especially because of how how they portray Janice. Like they do really well with these kind of like one season characters like like Irving last season. Yes. Very much this so, season Irving. Yeah. I think she's basically taken his place. Like she's the handler because obviously you Irving did say he was left. Yeah. yeah. He said he was so, going on holiday, didn't he? So like she's just it's just how unsuspecting she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just especially when we saw her at the dinner table she was mm. like meek and couldn't harm a fly and then you get her outside and she like her demeanor changes and she's talking about cutting her mum from mouth to cunt mm. you cut like that is such first of all that is a way to write that <laughs> like what I love, I love the pin drop moment as well where she like says like oh you should get some rest you've got that interview tomorrow and then it's mm. just like hold up what like it's how how it just turns on its heel so quickly like that very much so so we cut to darlene doing coke at some dingy party with two guys behind her having a flat earth discussion now she then takes some random pill from another girl and then freaks out at two women going through angela's room so it looks like she's throwing this party at angela's apartment i'm guessing i, I, hmm. I don't know 
Um, anyway, she kicks everyone out and lies crying on Angela's bed. Darlene is not okay. And also, I really wanted to see what the hell would happen after she took that random pill, because I did not, like, we didn't know, like, even the girl was like, you didn't even let me tell you what it was before she took it. But anywho. I think it's telling that it kind of had no effect. Yeah, she was, yeah, I, I feel maybe she just reached, like, whatever that if also, level. I don't think I was paying, like, a massive amount of attention, because I, I spotted something, but I didn't see how it was like the resolution to it during that bit where she was kicking everyone out mm -hmm. the two girls that are in angela's room obviously she like drags the one out the other one just goes and hides in the closet but i don't remember seeing her leave oh no she did then leave again she did then leave yeah she ran out again but oh yeah i did notice that i didn't write it down but yeah it was weird um, so then we cut to Elliot being held down by two guys while someone prepares to give Elliot a lethal dose of heroin. Fun. Um, Elliot is basically begging for his life and um, says that White Rose's money is as good as gone from Cyprus National Bank. He yells in, you know, that like his anger won't die with him. Um, she's going to get what's coming to her, hoping that White Rose can somehow hear them. Um, he yells at the man with the syringe to say something as he walks up to him and the man says goodbye friend before injecting Elliot and leaving with the other two men. Elliot's basically dying um, as he's trying to like reach the phone he kind of knocks it off and the, the hanger the not the hanger what's the the receiver is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, the receiver. Yeah, landlines, you know. Uh, the receiver comes off the phone and then all of a sudden you hear that tone when you've had it off for too long and it's like do 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 kind of thing like you know hang up kind of thing um he can't reach the phone he's dying and then he dies and the screen fades to black and then all of a sudden we come back and somebody uses narcan which is used to stop opioid uh overdoses in hospitals mm. and stuff um and you just kind of shove it up someone's nose so somebody uses narcan and elliot is alive again um we then pan to see three men standing over him uh well, the, the three men that were there the one that killed him and the two that were holding him down and philip price walks into the room saying welcome back mr alderson and that is the end of episode one nathan thoughts so strong opening definitely like setting things in place setting up like dynamics like we're setting up the price like elliot and price working together after price was basically the villain for the first two series in a way um also i'd of, argue all three previous hmm. seasons <laughs> i think he had the slight turnaround in season three but more towards the end of it yeah. like I, I, he kind of just become us like a smaller character in elliot's story sure more of a bigger one in angela's side of the story yeah I found with that one anyway. Um, the person who says goodbye, friend, and gives him the heroin injection, by the way, is the creator of the show. So that's like the only cameo he's made in no the whole way. show was, was as that guy. So that's Sam Esmail. Huh. I did not know that. Um, what else were I going to say? Yeah, so it's just a strong opening, basically. So it's an insanely strong opening. Just it's everyone's been, you can kind of, you don't really know what's happened in the few months between like obviously Angela's death hitting quite a few people quite hard and now so there's but there's probably been about 
I want to say a two month gap maybe because mm-hmm. I think we have Zhang talking about moving his project in a project in a few months obviously Elliot's saying that it's going to be moving within a week um they don't really say there's probably like more explicit thing about how how big the gap has been but like you can see how like these certain events have like affected everyone in different ways like Angela's death wasn't just there for dramatic purpose it literally has served like kind of how the characters are feeling like it's really affected them and really driving things a bit yeah everyone's in quite a clearly darker place right now much darker place everyone's Mm. like they've been through it especially like dom for instance like being well she's obviously taken some sort of leave of work or just gone to see her mum over the holidays or something Darlene's like the most obviously affected one of them. Elliot, well, he's not narrating to us, so you know something's gone awry there. But like, I like how Mr. Robot's taken over the narration. I like kind of like this new characterization we've got of him now. Mm-hmm. Like it's all it's it's a very it was a very different feeling episode, but in a good way. For sure. It was interesting. It was weird. Um, and I was, there was a point where I was like, oh, is this it for Elliot? Because that would make sense. They killed Angela at the beginning. And if they kill Elliot now, while that would be really weird, considering he's a lead mm. character, they probably are going to go back and do types of twisty, turvy things with time and make it make sense. Like I was convinced. I was like, oh shit. So he's just dying then. Okay, great. And then they brought it back and I was like, Ooh, okay, <laughs> I can follow this now. Like. It definitely gave a bit like the um, almost, not quite, but almost the harshness of Game of Thrones with the killing. Like the yeah. way they killed Angela at the beginning, it just made me think, oh, okay, so just everyone's going to die then. Great. It's, yeah, That's it just how I stakes. felt. It sets the stakes. Like no one, no one is safe at that point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Episode two. All right, well, the episode opens up with Philip Price giving Elliot a bit of a history lesson with footage of world leaders. Um, the deep fakes were amazing in this episode. Mm. Um, a lot of them were, were had a very seamlessly inserted um, BD Wong, and he was inserted into clips with like world leaders like Putin and Obama and the Queen and all of this stuff, right? And um, there was a couple dodgy looking ones, won't lie. There was a few where I was like, all right, this is... They should I couldn't take out. the getting knighted by the Queen one very seriously, I'll be honest with you. That wasn't great. That wasn't great. Um, the, the, there was one before the Saddam Hussein one, there was one. And I was like, oh, this is this is bad. And then there was one where he was supposed to be there clapping next to Obama and a few other world leaders. Mm. That one looked really fake. Like that one did not look, but some of them looked really, really, really good. Um, and like believable. But anyway, so they tied the fictional Dark Army, obviously, because it's fictional from this show, into um they kind of tied it with real life events and basically made it sound like the internet was created to facilitate Zhang's power. It's just created to facilitate, but created by them as well. It was crazy. Like they were saying that it was basically all orchestrated by the Deus group, which Mm. then founded E Corp and all this kind of stuff. Um, And that 
that the, the internet was basically created as which by the way plausible um <laughs> that um america was like the test case to see if society would voluntarily give over all of their information and basically give up their privacy at the same time so easily and e-corp as well was kind of i think he said that e-corp was built for that kind of purpose as well which e-corp is essentially meant to be a stand-in for like a big company like apple like we we kind of we we, we know that yeah especially with how like they're the products that everyone has the essential ones they're saying things like every product they released was a new way of like developing the next stage of testing right and again plausible you know you've got things like face id these days like for all the facial recognition tech that's going into things like it's plausible that that could be a real life situation right and like okay we don't quite have their own currency but you've got things like apple pay and google pay and um you also have like credit lines where they encourage you to pay like with amazon and stuff they encourage you to pay Mm. with credits to them um which is close to being currency so it's like that kind of kind of ties in with like e-coin and all that kind of like it's it's all a bit it's all a bit it's a bit scary (laughs) this show is a bit scary like if you actually pay attention to a lot of the stuff that goes on you're like oh god okay a lot of this is actually happening for real though so this is quite scary but um yeah so they they did this masterfully as they do on this show they tied fiction with real stuff in a way that's just so seamless and starting with like the berlin wall coming down and that and the soviet union and like yeah it was just it was incredible i i don't even want to like i didn't really make many notes on it because i was like i'm not gonna do this justice like this is one of those things where if you haven't seen it you're used to you just go watch it like it was beautifully done even if you just watch this clip it was so good um so yeah so basically it kind of made it all seem like Zhang, uh, Zhang's project was the the singular purpose like him having uh power for this project has been the singular purpose of the de- the Deus group all along and the Deus group kind of basically created the internet and so on and so forth yeah. um so then we cut to Philip and Elliot at All Safe and uh Philip is um, Philip says that Elliot's lucky that it was him that was called and alerted as it's his responsibility to eliminate every threat. So with that kind of code name of uh, John Garson. Um, Philip says that, uh, that Elliot's plan to rob the Deus group won't work and says that the group is impenetrable as White Rose designed it that way. Mr. Robot tells Philip, so Mr. Robot contacts over and tells Philip that he can get he can get them in and can take them all down if they work together. Philip says that Susan Jacobs, E-Corp's general counsel, you know, the one that Darlene killed a while back. I'll be honest, right? So I've got a bad memory for certain faces when I watch TV shows sometimes. Okay. Game of Thrones was terrible for me because there's so many characters there. A lot of them, I kind of see them walk by and just be like, oh, I forgot who that was. So until later on, when Elliot was like literally looking at a picture of Susan Jacobs. Did you not remember I, who it was? I forgot who she was completely. <laughs> I forgot the name. Once I saw the picture, I was like, oh, that's who we're talking about. Like my, my brain kind of, I didn't quite remember her. I, yeah, I couldn't get her out of my head. That whole scene um, with a stun gun by the pool kind of stuck with me, I think. So. Um, I just said that with names, like remembering names and faces, it doesn't. 
I'm all right with names on this show. Um, names on Game of Thrones were a bitch. I just didn't remember anyone because those names were like so off the wall that I just I couldn't remember who was who. Yeah, I forgot most of who everyone was in that show. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, yeah. So, um, Philip says that it's Susan Jacobs who is E Corp's general counsel that is the um conduit basically for the Deus Group. Um. And that she disappeared a few months ago. Philip says that he's basically on the outs with the Dark Army and he can't really help Elliot. Um, Elliot says that White Rose killed your daughter and says, you think I didn't look into you too? Now, I just want to pause there. How the hell did... Uh, what? How did he know that? And when did he know mm. that is the more the thing I want to know. Because he said, what, you didn't think I'd look into you too? And Philip kind of looked shocked when he said that. So it's like, well, how long have you known? Did you know that all along? Did you know that recently? Like, when did you find that out? I don't understand. Yeah, like, why? That, like, why? Why was that in there? I did wonder about that because, like, part part of me was thinking, like, maybe that, like, where would they have possibly seen that information at all? Because the only people who would know would be Philip Price and obviously Angela's mother. Right, uh, Philip, Philip, and, and Price. I said Philip and Price. They're the same person. I meant to say White Rose. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I actually knew what you meant. I didn't even realize that you said it wrong. Um, no, but I, I don't. I didn't like that. And that's one of the, I, that was. That's not the only thing I haven't liked so far with these four episodes. I've got to be honest. There's stuff in the writing that's annoying me a little bit, just a tiny bit. Um. That I didn't like because he made a point of saying you didn't think I looked in I'd look into you too, which made it seem like he hacked his way into this information, in which mm. case I need an explanation. And I need one this season before it ends, obviously. Um but I doubt we'll get one because they moved on so quickly. So anyway, so um Philip reiterates that this heist isn't possible, and Elliot says that he'll find Susan Jacobs. All Philip has to do is get the Deus group together within eight days when White Rose's uh, shipments begin, I think. Is that is that what it is? Is that I th- Yeah, I think that's the implication. I think it's meant to be by at least, like, the new year is when it's meant to be, like, Yeah, so this is out. happening over Christmas. And I didn't realise until episode three that each episode is one day. Did not realise until then. So at this point, I did not know that's what was going on. <laughs> um... So, at Elliot's mum's nursing home, Elliot and Darlene tell the staff member to donate their mum's belongings, who has just passed away, by the way. Um, They have to go through it all themselves and put a note on what needs to be donated, and Darlene finds details of a safe deposit box. That scene was really funny because the staff member was like, oh, she was really lovely with me when somebody died, blah, 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 blah. And then they were just like really heartless about her because obviously they've <laughs> had a very different relationship with their mother. And so even the woman is like shocked, like as she's leaving, she's like, bloody hell, like, they're, they're horrible. It's like She must think the worst things about Darlene and Elliot, not realising oh, yeah. that it's their mum that was the worst. But anyway, I digress. So we're at the FBI now and Dom has an interview about Santiago and is asked whether she knows of any suspicious activity by Santiago. The interview, uh, the interviewer asks if she's all right and gets her some water. Dom says that she thinks Santiago was a double agent working for some cartel. I didn't make a note of the actual name. Uh, and Julio cartel, I wrote it down. Julio. Or Tru- 
Yeah, Trulio Cartel. Oh, Trulio. Or Trulio Cartel. It was T-R-U-J-I-L-L-O. T-R-U-J-I-L-L-O. But I can't remember how they pronounced it. Double L is a Y sound and a J is a H sound. So I think that's Trujillo. It must be, I guess. Trujillo. Trujillo Cartel. Sounds about right. Sure. Let's go with that. Um, clearly, this is what the Dark Army have instructed her to stay. This is some kind of weird story that they've planned out. So whatever. At Janice's taxidermy place, she's um, painting a dead stuffed animal. And uh, she gets a call from Dom confirming that everything went to plan. Janice writes down Agent Horton's name when Dom mentions that's who interviewed her and asks her if she's sure that the agent bought the story. Dom says she's 99.9% sure. At the funeral home, Mr. Robot is trying to get Elliot to stop and process his mum's death. Elliot says that he needs to focus on taking down White Rose or they die and Darlene dies. Darlene wants to go check out the safe deposit box and is mad that Elliot isn't as curious to see what's in it. Back to Dom, who is now interviewing a trafficker when a colleague rushes in to get her out of the interrogation room. They go into the room next door where the news is on and there are reports of a suicide by jumping and it turns out that it's Agent Horton. Dom then gets a text from Janice saying 99.9% sure isn't good enough. Let's strive for 100 using the 100 emoji as well, which was like, this woman is crazy. <laughs> I Honestly. love her though. Like she's insane. It's that there's that scene earlier when she calls her after the interview to say like, oh yeah, I did the interview. This is what they thought. And then she's like just taxidermizing a deer, but she's listened to like some podcast or audiobook about the Manson family and how like, something to do with them like not being as bad a people or like trying to justify what they did or something like that in the background i mean if anyone was going to listen to a podcast like that it would be her (laughs) it's like this they're setting up like everything they're setting up about her it's just she's like such i don't even know what to say she's just an absolute baffling person she's mental she's clearly not all right but very interesting to watch i have to admit so uh, payment on the safe deposit box lapsed two years ago, they find out, at the bank. And uh, so the bank threw away its contents. Darlene yells at the bank teller before breaking down and crying. Darlene is mad that Elliot doesn't appear to give a shit. Uh, she specifies that it doesn't appear to give a shit about Angela and asks him how he's able to just move on like he has. Elliot admits that he hasn't moved on and pulls out a Walkman that was in their mum's belongings. The Walkman had a Happy Mother's Day tape in it and it was a tape for Angela's mum. So Darlene says that they need to listen to it together and when when it's played for us to hear, we actually realise that it was all three of them as kids um, recording a tape for Angela's mum, which was very emotional. Very, very like listening to that though like your kids like happily say happy mother's day to someone else's mum like that like i guess you've got to comfort yourself however mm. you can when you're old and pretend that they're talking about you i don't know but that was weird yeah, it's it's that it's dark there's i've noticed there's like a really hem- heavy emphasis this season on just kind of on well there's ha- emphasis every season on like mental health aspects but this one's a lot more about opening up yeah like well like... yeah there's even a point about it isn't there in a, in a i think mm. episode three maybe uh where mr robot talks about opening up and vulnerability yeah. And that kind of thing. yeah definitely 
Um, Philip goes to see Zhang, who says that he's pleased he reached out after being so quiet for the past few months. Philip says that he's resigning as CEO by the end of the year and will be parting ways, therefore, with the Deus Group. Zhang says it's all a bit too disruptive for him to leave right now as his project is underway. Philip insists, basically saying he doesn't give a shit. Um, Zhang says that he knows that the Deus Group must all agree in person on a successor. And Philip says, yeah, and I want it done in a week, basically, much to Zhang's chagrin. And he shows you that by knocking down a massive Christmas tree. It's a beautiful Christmas tree as well. Gorgeous, even though it was leaning to the left or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Also, I don't believe for like we see him putting decorations on the very bottom of it. Like I don't recall seeing a ladder or anything. So I don't believe for a second he decorated that whole tree by himself. He absolutely didn't. I'm sh I'm certain, in fact, would bet money on it that other mm. people decorated it and they left him two baubles to put on himself. So he felt like he did something. Also, I find it quite interesting that like. Philip kind of walks away as the, the winner of that conversation because every conversation him and Shang have is like a fight of some kind. Well, he walks away the winner and also says you won to, mm. to Zhang, which was interesting. Um, yeah, that was a cool scene. It was a weird power shift and, and mm. power dynamic, and but it was still a very defeated Philip Price. And yeah. I think another recurring theme of, of what I've seen so far of this season is that everyone's losing. Like, yeah. who's actually winning? Because everyone is sad. <laughs> Price is kind of having to defeat himself to, to beat Zhang at this point. And has lost his daughter. And yeah. it's like, he's not winning. Zhang's project, I mean, is so far underway, but there's all of these things happening and roadblocks yeah. and shit. So he's not, he's not happy. Yeah, um, the final hurdle of it, and it's all kind of just... And it's something like, constantly. So it's there. like, who's who's winning here? No one's actually happy, you know, but whatever. Mm. Um, Philip calls Elliot to tell him that he played his hand and not to thank him because he's not doing this for him. Darlene asks why Elliot is hacking Susan Jacobs' uh, e-coin wallet and admits that the last transaction was not actually Susan. Elliot realises that it was Darlene that broke into her house and she admits to killing Susan. Uh, Elliot reveals that he is going after White Rose as the church bells are going off in the background, which I thought was a lovely touch. Um, oh yeah, they're in a church. I don't know if I mentioned that. They're in a church uh, with um, their mum's ashes. Got to say, right, I don't know if you've ever had to go through the funeral arrangement and all that process before. Not firsthand, uh, no. I, I've had to do it twice, yeah. You do not make those arrangements that quickly. Like there's a there's like a week between the person passing away and you even going into a funeral parlor. Yeah, like they're trying to say that it happened in a day, right? Yeah, like they're literally they're there and they're going to collect the ashes the same day. Like literally, you you've got the funeral, and then you don't have the interment for another week. Like you don't get the ashes for like a week. It's like obviously it's the artistic license. Like I found it bizarre how quickly that was all moving. Yeah. Um... Let's put a downer or anything, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I hear, you, I hear you. So, yeah, so Elliot's basically telling telling her that um, he's going after White Rose and Darlene says she's all in to help him. She mentions that she's kind of glad that it's nothing to do with uh, Fernando Vera. And um, 
Elliot realises that Mr Robot must have kept the fact that uh, Vera showed up a few months ago a secret from him because Darlene said, I told you, and you didn't really seem to care about it. Um, so when Darlene leaves, Elliot gets mad at Mr Robot for not being trustworthy. Mr Robot says Darlene didn't talk to him. I don't know what Darlene is talking about. Price made his move. We might actually have a shot at White Rose, but none of that matters because I can't fucking trust you. Listen to me. I don't know anything about Vera. You heard what she said. She told one of us and it wasn't me. There's no reason for me to keep that from you. Fuck it. You want to go back to not talking to each other, blocking each other out, fighting for control? Look at me. I am telling you the truth. I am not the one Darlene talked to. It wasn't you. It wasn't me. It wasn't. So, if Darlene didn't talk to Mr. Robot and didn't talk to Elliot, is there a third personality? Well, we kind of seem to get some kind of weird confirmation on the uh, closing scene where it's a very young Elliot in a massive room and Elliot's mum, but like young mum, comes in and basically tries to get him out of the room and says, we need to go meet them. And uh, the little boy says, Elliot says, no, Mr. Robot, no, the other one. And that is the end of episode two. Thoughts, Nathan? So the the opening scene with like the history of Deus Group, I loved every bit of that. Like I thought that was... Well, obviously shoddy not shoddy but like some kind of what's the best way of saying it not the best like deep faking on there but you know tv budgets even though i mean you can see where all the budget for the show went a lot of the time yeah um like the continuity of mr robot still narrating everything like i like that they've kept that around because when, when they've talked about the narration before it's kind of been a one-off episode thing most of the time mm-hmm. uh so i like they're keeping that going they're they're this one felt it's putting it's putting pieces in place for things. It felt a bit slower than the previous episode, but things are moving into place. Um, it's setting up towards like a full plan. I, I like that. I just like it. I can't think of anything else. To say. I just like it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a That's good fair. episode. It's setting That's things fair. up, especially with this third personality aspect. Now, sometimes we like shows. I get a bit a bit annoyed when they introduce like a very late game element very late in that literally could have been something around like it's never explained like i don't you watch misfits yes um you know like rudy on misfits where like in his second series he was in they suddenly say oh he also had a third personality that was it happened to be in prison like they just throw that out there randomly like i don't really like it when they do stuff like that but i feel like i trust the show enough to bring something very something kind of big like that in at the very like very late game mm-hmm. if that makes sense so yeah. it's interesting to see how that will develop we shall see um certainly a, a bit of a bit of a spanner in the works a bit mm. confusing uh, we'll see where it leads i guess so episode three you ready to get into it yes I can say as well, like that's the first mention of Vera since like the end of season three. So I think it's quite interesting that it's slowly drip feeding him back into things. 
Yeah, he wasn't mentioned at all in the first episode, hmm. was he? I actually forgot that he came back, if I'm being honest. There was a lot to remember, and I just forgot. <laughs> um, okay, so episode three, we're taken back to when Zhang secured the deal with IBM for China. And um, we see his uh, love affair with his, uh, I guess, assistant slash interpreter slash advisor, and how White Rose revealed herself to him in a gorgeous, mm. gorgeous white dress. It was a really beautiful, touching scene, that scene. Mm. Um, yeah, really, really beautiful. It's nice to have the White Rose backstory for Definite. Um, his, his love as well is called Chen. Chen, thank you. I double check this with the. This is what the girls great about Amazon Prime telling me the character names. Yeah, for sure. I just never check and I, I never ever look, to be honest. Um, so then we cut away to present day where Zhang wants to wear that same white dress on the launch of his project. It feels weird to say his there, but it, he was presenting mm. as Zhang, so it is his. Yeah. But you, forgive me if I'm off. Yeah. Um, then we cut back to the, mo to the moment where a young Zhang is comforting Chen on Chen's wedding day. Uh, Zhang tells him to put on a good show and let his father think that he's won. Chen was hoping that Zhang would be made ambassador to the US so that they could leave China and be together. But Zhang reveals that he's actually been offered a position that he couldn't turn down, a higher position as a result of the IBM deal. And he's now going to be Minister of State Security, which means they're staying in China. Uh, Zhang says he wants to be part of making the world better and thinks that he's convinced Chen that um, everything's fine. But as he's walking away, Chen picks up a knife and slits his own throat. Um, a very visceral mm. scene, a very like shocking, like, what the fuck? Uh, and then we cut to present day of Zhang yelling no as if he was having the flashback with us um and uh kind of focuses and tells what did you say her name was his, his uh wang shi wang shu wang or wang uh wang 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 shu yeah so wang chu um he, he zhang tells wang chu to schedule the dais meeting for tomorrow which just so happens to be christmas day by the way um, and if Philip and Elliot are working together, he wants to disrupt their timeline and force them to make a mistake. He also says something about making Tyrell Wellick the new CEO and that he'd love it. Which, what? Okay. Yeah, well, Tyrell's not going to turn it down because that's like, that was what he wanted to start with. Sure, yeah. yeah. I quite like, what I liked about um white rose's backstory as well i like that whole conversation about being their true selves like their true selves to begin with is as a gay couple in china and then it kind of morphs into jiang's true self being white rose and mm -hmm. you get this extra layer of why they need to get away from that kind of area like it's especially in the 90s like china mm -hmm. in the 90s is like 1982 isn't it was it 80s bloody hell yeah 1982 i because it's yeah, because I. How long has the internet been around? What the fuck? <laughs> Why? Never... I don't think we got the internet till the nineties. Am I crazy? Isn't that when we had like AOL and stuff? Oh, it must have been around longer than if that's when we had it. Yeah, it would have been the eighties. Just gonna Google internet and just see what comes up. <laughs> Google it's internet. Just, it's just brought up speed tests. I don't even know why. <laughs> I'm trying to do that. 
No, you should Google when was the internet created. Let me do it. Uh, 1983. Oh, my God. January 1st, 1983 is considered the official birthday of the internet. So that would have been in 82 then, that conversation. Mm. Um, the World Wide Web didn't exist until the 90s. Ah, maybe I'm thinking of the World Wide Web. Yeah, like the, like the practical internet we know today would have been there, then before it would have just been... Oh, I remember when you had to connection. type in www, otherwise it wouldn't work. I'm trying to think if I remember that or not now. Wow, okay. We got, we got we the internet, here on like, my own. In, all, in all fairness, like, we got the internet quite late, because my, but we didn't have much money growing up or anything, so, but we didn't get the internet until I was probably about 16. Wait, how old are you now? 28. Oh wow, like, that is quite late. So I don't, I don't remember it exactly, but yeah, we we don't know why we got it so late, to be honest. Anyway, I don't, I can't remember. I'm trying to think actually <laughs> how old I was. I don't know, but I remember, I remember us having that that dial up, that AOL yeah. dial up, and you could be on the phone. Yeah, we had a dial-up that like I would only allow be allowed to be. We had dial-up. We had like it was the disc. To set it up, you have to have a disk in your computer. Yeah. Put the dial up. And then when we eventually got like the mo more modern internet, it still affected our phone lines where if you got a phone call, your internet cut out. Yeah, you definitely couldn't be on the phone at the same time. Um, and then we had like the AOL era of like AOL chat rooms and stuff. Um, I, I went straight to uh, and then MSN we had, at that point. Yeah, then we had MSN Messenger with a little bit of like, that's when you had like browsers and stuff. You started having mm. like Ask Jeeves and all that kind of stuff. Because before it was all kind of funneled through AOL in some weird way, and then it just wasn't anymore. And then it was like, yeah, then, then it was everything after that, wasn't it? Like after that, once we got the browsers and Ask Jeeves and all that, Google showed up very soon after, Facebook showed up very soon after, and then it all just kind of, exploded or imploded into whatever the fuck it is now but yeah that's um 82 was correct <laughs> that's a long-winded way of saying yes that sounds about right okay um so then we get we cut to elliot who bumps into krista the therapist in the street and it turns out that krista had sent him a letter basically ending their sessions saying that she doesn't want to be his therapist anymore um what was the last interaction they had is that when mr robot came out and he was being all weird with her so yeah i think it's when she wanted him to bring mr robot out so she could actually talk to him instead mm -hmm. um i'm pretty sure that was the last interaction okay um one thing about this i don't know if, if you felt the same or if i'm just being not really picking up on subtleties with it yet but the whole interaction it felt like christopher thought that like Elliot was following her like she she it's the way she said like no I want you to leave me alone it's like he wasn't following you he bumped into you in the street randomly I don't know if it's because that was like the last thing she said to him I don't know if it's because mm. she kept trying to say like look I, I wrote you a letter I don't want to yeah. do sessions anymore da, da, da. and he kept saying no but I did what you told me to do I just wanted to let you know I did and they kept cutting each other off so I think yeah. because he kept talking I think that's why he she ended up saying like oh, just leave me alone um and then he finally got out what he was trying to say which is i don't want to go back to sessions with you 
um, I just wanted to thank you for helping me. And then he just looked really sad and walked off. Um, but as he walked off, we didn't see Mr. Robot. So we don't always see, we sometimes see Mr. Robot, sometimes we don't, which is normal. But then this random guy showed up where Elliot was standing. And my paranoid head, now that I know there's a third personality, I was like, is that a third, is that the third personality? Is the third personality a black man? What is happening? <laughs> Very confusing. <laughs> um, something as well, yeah. So I don't know if, well, obviously it sounds like you didn't quite realise who he was. I didn't yet, no. So I didn't realise who he was either. I just checked it now because I made a note to have a look at this. He's one of the guys that was with Vera in season one. Oh, yeah, I don't remember him. Exactly. What? Why? That's the thing. Like, you wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't remember goons. No, like, well, I, that is I an don't interesting fact. That is an interesting fact, which we'll come back to. The fact that he was—he's been with him this long. Mm. That makes what he did later worse. But mm. oh, we'll get there. Um, so back at All Safe, Elliot is trying to keep Darlene out of some kind of danger, but Darlene doesn't appreciate being kept out the loop. Basically, she says that they always go one step forward, four leaps back. Um this typical bickering sometimes i kind of glaze over a little bit when the two of them are talking because they'll end up arguing about something and it kind of just gets on my nerves at this point because i'm like you haven't figured it out by now how to talk to each other i can't be asked it's been four years guys um well it hasn't but you know what i mean um so anyway elliot breaks into olivia cortez's place uh but can't get into a cyprus national bank um, like online account thingy. I think she works for them. I didn't, I think I must have glazed over when they described or talked about who Olivia Cortez was. So she's the account manager for the Deus group. So I guess she's account, like it's something related to oh, I see. what um, Susan Jacobs was doing. Okay. But I think so she was like unknowingly involved. Got you. So sense. she basically handled the Deus's group's account at the bank. Yes, yeah, so I'm just going to quickly just say Effectively. Uh, does not say. She says she's an empl employee at Cyprus National Bank who had a connection to Susan Jacobs. Maybe was dealing, would deal with Susan to do with Deus Group money mm. incoming or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, so they're in her place. They try to get into, Elliot tries to break into or hack into her account. They can't get in because they need a one-time password thingy because he figured out her actual password, but you need the one-time password thing, which you get off like a security fob or something. And you've mm. got like 60 seconds to do it. Um, so obviously he couldn't do that. So they track her to some kind of bar. She was supposed to be going on a blind date with some guy. Um, not a blind date, they'd met online, but whatever. A first date, I think, is what I meant to say. Um, Elliot then says to Mr. Robot that he basically wants to use the fact that she had Oxy in her bathroom um, against her because part of her custody agreement was to stay clean as she's an addict. Um, yeah, not great. Elliot's gone a bit cold there. So Elliot goes over, but Mr. Robot kind of steps in and uses his charm instead by offering to buy her a drink after saying that he notices that she has been stood up. So this is when I realised in the next scene that the guy following Elliot was actually one of Vera's guys. Um, it makes it way worse that we know, well, that we saw him in season one, so he's been around Vera for at least at least a several months at this point. Um, Vera says that Elliot is a visionary and wants him to partner with him on this new latest plan thing that he's got going on. I, again, glazed over a bit, I won't lie. 
Um, the guy tells Vera about the discussion that Elliot had with Krista and shows Vera a picture of um, Krista. He doesn't know her name. I'm, I'm just saying Krista because we know it's Krista. Um, Vera ends up killing him in front of a child who was able to figure out that Krista was important enough to Elliot to make him sad when she was angry by just looking at the picture. Um, Vera is interested in the details and was quite annoyed that this guy didn't have any details of what they were talking about, what the discussion was, what the mood was. He just had no clue. And so he killed him. Can we talk about Vera's whole setup, by the way? They're like, he's in a restaurant stuffing, I'm assuming it's weed, by the looks of it, into turkeys for kids to pick up. Uh, my assumption is obviously, like, I don't think it's those kids are delivering turkeys to his customer. I think they're literally picking them up for his parents possibly because he, he 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 does like a little wink about how like he made the stuff like the stuffing extra special for the one kid's mum or something so i think Very it's literally much. these kids know what they're picking up they're picking up for their parents but well, or possibly to their two dealers to also give out yeah that made more sense because he was he was like the next up up from a dealer kind of thing wasn't he mm-hmm. this whole deal um okay. but Not he's doing all this him. with the fucking door wide open like, yep. he's in full view of the door when he does all of this, including shooting DJ. Yeah. Like, all of that is in full view of the door. Like, I just couldn't take that bit seriously at all. I just... I, the whole thing was... Mm. I just don't know what was going on. I just had I no guess every single person at a restaurant is in on it as well. Like, that's, that's like open gunfire. We've got two open doors. Like, someone's going to hear something. Right. There was no silence from the gun. Mm. You would hear gunshots. Like, I know it's New York City, but let's relax a little bit. Like, I don't know. Yeah, the whole scene was weird. Very weird. There's also an earlier one as well, before we go. I don't know if this is um, the thing that you were going to mention bothered you, but when they break into that Olivia woman's apartment, mm-hmm. Mr. Robot immediately goes onto her, like, home computer, like her, her MacBook, whilst Elliot's, like, hacking, like, her other computer. How do both those things happen at the same time? I, that's one I didn't even notice. Like that, yeah, I made a note of it because I was kind of like, I like what they're doing sometimes with scenes. They, there's something similar in um, the next episode as well. And like, partly was like, okay, I could spend this. I think that's the one we're going to talk about. The one I have written. Line it. But also, like, Elliot knows all the information Mr. Robot's seen. How? Unless, he, unless it was on the computer he was looking at, it was just for like drama purposes they had Mr. Robot also looking at something. I don't know. It was a bit odd, that one, to me. Yeah, it is odd now that you mention it. I didn't make a note of that one, though, because it was another one that I I noticed, which I think either comes later or is next episode. I can't remember. Um, So, yeah, we're back at the bar. Olivia and Elliot find common ground in not being close to a parent, having a dead parent, you know, the usual. And Elliot randomly admits uh, to being addicted to morphine. He uh, says that he's been clean for almost nine months, if you don't count the heroin that he was forced to take two <laughs> days ago. <laughs> like, Elliot asks if he's, uh, sorry, Olivia asks if he's crazy. And he says he guesses so, and that he's not like most people. I also put my note as Elliot randomly mentions being addicted to morphine, and then I put king of small talk. Just incredible. And the thing is, is it's actually genius because an addict would understand. But I don't know if it's the the like the wherewithal of him being like, let me connect with her, addict to addict, or if it's just a. 
a happy accident that it worked mm. out that way and that you just wanted to get it out. I don't know, but either way, it worked. Uh, they're getting on until Olivia's date shows up. Um, she pretends to not be Olivia, which I'm sorry, again, <laughs> cracked up laughing because <laughs> the guy's like, no, it's, it's you, this is your, this is you in the picture. And she's just like, no, I'm sorry. You must have the wrong so, person. And she just like gets up. Um, but she's kind of like similar in um the last episode not similar to that but like the, the humor they bring into it it's the was it last episode where it's darlene and elliot are at the subway station next to a guy in a snowman costume oh yeah and they're talking and he, about they're dying he literally goes up and he's like my condolences my he just condolences. gets onto his subway train and they both just look at him like what the fuck? oh god i feel like we're not meant to be laughing at these moments but they're very funny to me um yeah so Olivia gets up and puts a coat on and she's just like yeah no I'm not I mean, that's not me sorry and she's kind of giving Elliot the signal to like leave with her but he just stays seated and oblivious like that look that he always has on his face and so uh she just goes well all right I guess I'm gonna go and uh, then she leaves but he runs after her and kisses her as she starts to hail a cab um they basically head back to hers and hook up Go, Elliot. Um, we cut to Olivia sleeping, Elliot getting dressed, and uh, he grabs her security fob. He sends the credentials on this fob to someone called Dolores Hayes in his phone. Quick pause. Who's that? So I looked into this as well, because I, I think it was something that's been around for a bit, because obviously he's, all his, like, uh, tags for stuff he does is Sam Sepiel, which I've never looked into who Sam Sepiel is. I'm going to do that really quickly. But I looked into this super quick regarding um, the Dolores Hayes one. So Dolores Hayes is uh, Darlene's tag. So anytime he gets a call from Dolores Hayes, it's Darlene. Oh. Uh, but Dolores Hayes was the, I guess, primary love interest, if you could call it that, of um, in the book Lolita. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's... Yeah, it's, it's one of those weird nicknames to have. But yeah, it's that's basically what her, like, call sign, that's the word, call sign is. Hmm, okay. Interesting. So, um, anyway, after he does that, Olivia kind of comes in, he knocks over some stuff, and there's a bit of a touching scene that follows on in the bathroom, on the bathroom floor with uh, Olivia and Elliot about how they both almost uh, committed suicide. Um, yeah, it was a heavy episode, but it was quite touching, the two of them. Um, Mr. Robot tells us that Olivia might have been the one to get through to Elliot as they leave to go home. Um, and that's, that's the bit where he talks about how important it is to open up. Who knew Olivia would be the one to override Elliot's attempts to deny access? Now he's gotten the message. Letting people in doesn't have to hurt. Why are you stopping? You gotta get to Also. That van's been following us since we got off the subway. Dark Army? It's gotta be. 
You think Olivia ratted us out? No, we got out of there clean. This is a trap. We've been off the radar for months. All of a sudden, White Rose takes interest in us again. What if she's trying to find out about our plan? Let's show her we don't have one. Just go home and act normal. Um, Elliot notices that they're being followed, possibly by the Dark Army. Uh, it mentions a white van. Before I continue, I just find it interesting that Elliot could spot a white van following them, but have no clue that Vera's guy, would you call him DJ, was DJ, following yes. them in the street. I just find it interesting. That's one of my gripes about the writing. Elliot's always been paranoid that people are following him, mm. even when they're not. And when they are, he definitely knows they're following them. Yeah. Like a whole van. I could probably excuse that one by saying that potentially his kind of like in him bumping into like Krista, like Joe, like sort of made his put his head elsewhere. You know? No, because DJ said to Vera that he was that he was hard to follow in that scene before he mm. killed him. He was saying, oh, he's hard to follow. He, he only sees him every now and again, and he's always alone." So he's followed him before. Okay. Because yeah. he, he like in the pictures he's taken, he's across the street, isn't he? Yeah. But and then he's like after a bit of a break, he's then like behind them. It's just not. It's just not believable mm. to me that Elliot didn't know that he was being followed by yeah. that guy. Um, but anyway, I digress. Back to this uh, white van. Um, they, well, Elliot kind of mentions this to Mr. Robot and then they go back to Elliot's place. Um, I'm going to just refer to them as they because they're together in the scenes. Uh, they're mm -hmm. referring to each other as us. So it feels weird to just talk to him as if he's on his own, about him as if he's on his own. Words. But yeah, so... Um, they get back to Elliot's place and they see that someone has broken in. It turns out that it's Tyrell Wellick who's announcing that White Rose wants to make him CEO of E Corp. Tyrell is all excited, saying it's time to take them down. And Elliot's trying to get him to shut the fuck up and writes on a piece of paper <laughs> that they're listening. What I loved about that was how he immediately just said, it, like, oh, I'm the CEO now, let's take Dark Army down. It's like, bro. Like, are you dumb? Like, like, <laughs> like, are you dumb? Like, what? Uh, so I that was the end of episode three, and I ended. Yeah. I I finished episode three being very irritated. I was irritated by that point, which was the first for me with Mister Robot. Yeah. Um, so Nathan, yeah. thoughts? <laughs> I I really enjoyed these episodes, but yeah, there were some kind of small logic things. I don't like when they make a character kind of purposely act out of character in a way that serves the story a bit better. So, like, obviously, like you said, I never really clued up on the whole Elliot couldn't tell he was being followed thing but could remember, could realise about the van thing. Um, but, but, yeah, I didn't... I'd Like, Tyrell literally immediately announcing the CEO thing. Part of me thinks it could be, like, an in-character thing slightly because he seems like, the, like it's something that he's wanted for so long that I could plausibly see him slightly doing that. But at the same time, like... You, like the the Tyrell after what he's been through now wouldn't do that. Tyrell season one probably would have been, but Tyrell season four would be a bit more street smart after all his interactions with the Dark Army. It feels so naive for someone that's been through what he's been through. 
I quite liked um, character Olivia. I felt a bit like she was like a surrogate kind of version. I think it was more, I think for Elliot, she's like a reminder of um, Shayla. Shayla. That's yeah. it, yeah. She's very, very similar, but I, I don't know if that's just me or if they're doing that on purpose because he he seemed to connect her quite quickly but i think it's because of shit like the shared experience kind of thing they had because mm-hmm. it felt a bit out of character of him to just literally chase after her and kiss her in the streets it didn't seem like an elliot thing to do to me no that's why i made a point of being like go elliot i even wrote it in my notes like mm-hmm. i was just like he just ran after her made out with her went back to her place they had sex it was just like what the f- whoa Elliot. The, the music made it seem like a really romantic moment as well. Like they kind of, it's like they wanted to frame it as a very romantic thing for him to do. Mm. And it's like I think, it, I think partially it's like a Shayla replacement, but like without saying that out loud. Like it's just their shared experience kind of thing. I hope they connect, and that um, if Elliot lives after all this, that they have a thing. It would be nice. Oh, who knows. Who even knows at this point? Right. Um, yeah, my only thoughts on episode three are what I pretty much shared. Um, I was a little bit annoyed. Uh, the bits I liked were the Olivia and Elliot scenes a lot. I liked them a lot, a lot. Um, but everything else, I was like, meh. Mr. Robot being uh, Elliot's wingman is... That was, yeah, that was cool in the bar. That was pretty cool. Him stepping in to be like, oh, I noticed that you've been, you know, stood up. And that guy must be crazy. I just wanted to buy you a drink. I was like, oh, my God. Um... But yeah, other than that, yeah, it was all right. Not my favorite episode, but no. I did like some of the bits in it, so I'll give it. I'll give it a solid um, seven out of ten. So, should we talk about episode four? They answer it's just massively kicking off outside my flat right now. What's happening? I don't know. I can just hear people screaming. <laughs> Jesus! Oh, it's, a Monday, it's a Monday night. What are they doing? Everyone's gone mad. <sighs> a little bit all right let's get into episode four (laughs) (laughs) um okay so inside the white van that's parked outside elliot's apartment we can hear tyrell and elliot talking over the um like audio recording type situation Mm. um there's a man in there with the headphones listening to everything so uh tyrell and elliot are pretending to carry on talking as normal because we hear the beginning of the conversation where tyrell's being a dick and it's like why rose just made me ceo let's take her down um and then all of a sudden it kind of switches to, oh yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm just having a bit of a weird day. And then they're kind of trying to have a normal conversation. Um, the signal starts like jamming a little bit. And um, the man that's in the van comes out to try and uh, he says fucking antenna or bullshit antenna or something like that. And he's coming out of the van as he comes out. Tyrell hits him on the head by surprise. Um, he then tells Elliot to wipe the van in the hopes that the recordings of the audio hadn't been sent to White Rose yet and to get rid of the vo- the van and uh, subsequently the dead body inside, which, yay. So um, we cut to Darlene, who is calling and leaving. This pissed me off. Sorry, just on the point that we were talking about with season three, about things being out of character and not being as smart mm. as they were before. Darlene is leaving a voicemail, leaving a voicemail for Elliot saying that Olivia's account doesn't have enough permissions. Um, She got in, but they can't give them what they need on Cyprus National Bank, blah, 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 blah. Just incriminating evidence. 
on a voicemail. I mean, it does go on and she goes on to say, I wish you'd die or whatever, because she gets really pissed off calling him an arse or whatever. And then it cuts, well, the, the recorder says to re-record your message, press one, and to delete it, press three or whatever. Mm. And she chooses to re-record it. But still, the darling that we've known since season one, would she leave a voicemail talking about how they're hacking a bank? But, and outside the bank as well. Like, out, like she's talking loudly about the place they need to go into to fill, fulfill the plan while stood outside it and she is screaming it in the street. I thought it was a really funny scene when she re-records the message, but yeah, it, it's... That bit was funny, sure. Yeah. But I just was so irritated because I was like, I know that they're supposed to be spiralling, but they're not stupid. They fucking mm. carried out a worldwide attack on the economy. They're not dumb. Like, I just don't, I'm, I don't know, man. This, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm trying to be fair with, cause they, they have some, they've had some brilliant moments so far in season four, but also some really fucking infuriating moments that just don't make sense to me. But anywho. So anyway, we cut to a weird scene of uh, Dom masturbating to footage of Darlene in the FBI interrogation room. Yeah, it's not a sentence I'd ever thought I'd write. No, I wrote it and I felt uncomfortable, won't lie. Um, then she kind of either, I don't think she finished. <laughs> I think she kind of got frustrated because she wasn't getting there and decided to um, get on a chat with somebody who apparently she's been like sexting, who's a guy. Yeah, um, one of the first few appearances, she's been, we've seen her be on this one before, and it was Hard on Harry. Hard, yep, Hard on (laughs) Harry, or Hard, yeah, something like that. (laughs) And then a number, I think it's, no, Happy Hard on Henry. That's it, yeah. I think it was 08 or some numbers afterwards, but anyway. Um, Yeah, so that was all very weird. Uh, But anyway, she starts, she kind of dozes off as uh, she's in the middle of sexting him he like messages her saying do you want me to pull your hair or something and she falls asleep which i thought was very funny um so darlene goes into uh, elliot's apartment and breaks in like she normally does and tracks his location although to be fair the door was already broken into so she didn't have to try this time but normally she can get in anyway um elliot and tyrell are at some random petrol station and they go in to buy a lighter and pay for the petrol that uh, Tyrell put in a canister. Is that, that's yeah, what he's, yeah, uh, the probably like gas canister, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the teller is being super annoying, trying to figure out how she knows Tyrell. And uh, it was all very funny. He ended up saying, yeah, I've been on Big Brother. That's what it is. And uh, when they come back outside, the van is gone. So quick thing that bothered me about this as well. Right. So... Tyrell was like filling up the gas canister and told Elliot to go in and buy the lighter. Mm-hmm. Why did they all go in together? Well, that's the thing because Elliot and obviously Mr. Robot went in and then Tyrell must have gone in shortly after because when they came out and realized that the van was gone, Elliot said, where did you move the van to? So Tyrell must have still been out, been outside for at least another mm. couple minutes. But when we saw them in like, in the uh inside the petrol station they it was when they placed the things at the till yeah so elliot must have gone in first and then tyrell went in after and thankful thankfully he did because he could actually pay for it because the internet was down in there and so that he couldn't elliot couldn't pay by e-coin 
So, and he didn't have cash. So um, Tyrell had to pay. By the way, if that was to happen, that would be me. Like I very rarely have cash. I only have to take like, I only take out cash to go get my nails done because she's mm. still, she refuses to get a, a card machine. But like, I very rarely have cash on me. Like me with like haircuts. I get, a, I get a cash to have my haircut because barbers for some reason just don't take card either. But like any anything else, it's like card all the time. Like, I I recently, I had, to, I, I sold something. I had to like put the money into my bank. I literally walked up to the card machine I had my card in my hand, and in my head I went, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I just forgot what my PIN number was? I oh, forgot no. it immediately. Uh, and then after I'd locked my card out, I looked on my phone app and realised you could actually see what your PIN number is on there. Uh, but I got it unlocked the next day, but you know, yeah, literally, like, without contactless, I'm nothing. Like, it's all all I could ever really What use. do you do when you reach your limit, then? Because you can only do contactless Apple so many Pay. times. Apple Pay doesn't have a limit. So I like literally if I do like oh, Apple so you Pay, do I everything with Apple Pay. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. yeah, I used to as well until masks. And now because of the masks constantly, well, not until masks, but because of the mask constantly with Face ID, it's just a pain to have to keep putting my mask mm. down to do it or to pay by pay Ooh. passcode. So I just yeah. use my card. It's because like, well, well, when masks started, like it used to take a couple of attempts at finding your face and you could do the passcode. But they did it now where like Face ID can recognize if you have the mask on. So it brings the pin code up immediately now. Yeah, but I hate having but to do yeah. that. Yeah, I find it just takes longer when I can just get literally get my card out and just pay with that. Feels less secure as well. Going if in a shop where... your shoulder as well. It feels less secure if you have to put your whole pin code in just to pay for something. Yeah, if someone's looking, I always think mm, I don't want to do that. I put my passcode mm-hmm. in. So like, yeah, I I tend to just get and also I'm usually I usually I have loyalty cards to everywhere, so I'm usually collecting some kind of points. <laughs> so I'll have my purse with me. So. Yeah, I usually just pay on my card. But yeah, I keep reaching contactless limits and then that's the only thing that helps me remember my PIN because otherwise I'd forget it too. Although I've, I've had the same PIN since I was like, since I got my fucking bank account and a debit card. I've literally had the same PIN since I was like 16. So I, I wouldn't um, be, it would be weird if I forgot it. I've mine twice, I think, because I lost a card. So they had to like, do me a new card, change it. And two months later, I lost the new card. They had yeah. to do me another one. But I still remember all those PINs. Because I memorise the pattern. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I That's how I remember them. I remember the patterns rather than the numbers because if I had to remember the numbers, I'd probably forget quicker. I remember, like, an, one of my other cards is um, pins, but literally any other card I have, any credit card, any business card, anything like that, no clue. I have genuinely no idea. It's much easier for me to pay for stuff and then just pay myself back online because I'm like, I won't, I'm not even going to take the card out with me because I will not know what the pin is i have no idea like if i have to do like a business transaction i find it so much easier to just do it like with my own card mm. because i will not and my brain will not like i already have to keep remembering passwords and sh- i cannot do more pins like numbers are hard enough for me as it is <laughs> but anyway i digress um back inside because like we said there's no internet the internet's down phone lines are down there's also no cell signal because they're in some middle of nowhere part outside of um new york city um, the teller figures out, by the way, that it is Tyrell Wellick, and she kind of yells it at him, and he keeps denying it. Um, and then Mr. Robot kind of has enough and yells at her because they're trying to figure out the shortcut to the nearest town. She directs them and tells them it's through these woods and it's going to take him about 30 minutes to get there. Back to Dom, um, she kind of wakes up shortly after dozing off while she was uh, chatting to her online friend. Um, 
The online friend, happy hard on Henry, suggests that they meet and have sex in real life. Dom says that she's actually into being with girls in real life these days and happy hard on Henry says, actually, uh, I'm a girl and she likes pretending to be a guy online. Dom suggests that female happy hard on Henry uh, comes over since they're both alone on Christmas Eve. They can be alone together. This doesn't sound like a terrible idea at all. Yeah, it's for, for an FBI agent. It didn't Horrendous. seem like the move. Also, I think Come to my that? place, not even a public, yeah. like you wouldn't meet him in the first place, but in a public place makes way more. Come to my address. What? Literally a sec, like literally a sexual deviant at best because they're on this. Well, I suppose deviant's the wrong word to use, but like literally they're on like an IRC. A bit of a sex that, pest. Like, Call him like, a sex pest. Come on. Bit mad. And has just admitted to being, to lying to you this whole time. Like, I don't know. Anyway. Whatever. In the woods, Tyrell says that he finally gets why Elliot wears the same black hoodie and black jeans. Uh, it's because he doesn't care. Uh, Tyrell says that he cares. He actually cares too much, which is why he wears expensive suits. He cares. Um, this is why he's a failure, he says. He cares about what people think of him, about being accepted, etc. Whereas Elliot has never cared, even from the first day that they met at the All Safe offices, which was a nice little flashback to season one. Episode one, actually, as well. Worth mentioning as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there were two things actually. It was I quite like the conversation they had about where Tara mentions how like quiet it is out there, and he asked Elliot like if he'd ever want to just walk away from life and start fresh. There's a lot of kind of foreshadowing a little bit on this one. It's giving wrapping up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, also I can't remember if you mentioned this or not, but they mentioned they went they went back to the thing. Obviously, the lady now as I did yeah. Tyrell correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She was trying to get selfie with him and everything, but he was still yeah. dying. And he was just like, I don't remember you being on Brig Brother. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was fu- she was mad annoying, but that was hilarious. Um, so back at Dom's place, it turns out Happy Hard on Henry was a girl after all. I was definitely shocked. Uh, anyway, her and Dom share a beer and uh, start hooking up. Dom stops and says, I just need to go to the bathroom real quick. She goes into her bathroom to find rose petals and candles everywhere before the girl shows up behind her with a dark army mask and starts to drown her in the tub. As she's drowning her, she says she needs to give up control and she needs to realise that she'll never be free. And it turns out that it was all a dream because Dom wakes up suddenly. She'd fallen asleep earlier and had never actually responded to Happy Hard on Henry. I didn't realise that was a dream sequence until I saw the rose petals and I was like, hang on, how did you not realise that this girl was in your bathroom putting out rose petals and lighting a million candles? Like, how? when did she do this? That's when I was like, oh, something's not right here. That was the weird bit for me. Was, it was it a... For me, it wasn't until she was being drowned that I thought, oh, I bet it's just going to be Janice is just going to walk in and be like, see, we, we know everything you're doing. And like... Oh, that would have been a cool twist. Yeah, but then at the same time, the rose petals and the candles that the woman was not in the apartment long enough to set up. So I'm saying. Would clearly remember doing herself did not throw me off for whatever reason. When she walked in there, the first thought I had when she first walked in the bathroom, I was like, hang on, is this not Dom's place? I thought maybe it was the girl's place and she'd mm. set that up when she got there. And I was like, no, no, that's definitely Dom's place. When would she? Oh, this isn't real. That's literally how it worked in my head. I was like, oh, okay, this isn't real. I quite like um, the conversation about um, control, saying like she needs to like, 
release give control. Release control because she's talking about how she likes the IRC thing because she has control. She can be who she wants there. On the chat, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. So Darlene, she got her wires crossed with a drunk Santa. She was trying to break into a car. Something happened. It was weird. Um, she was then driving this drunk Santa home. Um, it was a very weird, it was kind of cut, cutting in it. It didn't feel important. And I should have made more notes earlier, but it just didn't feel important. But anyway, um, she ended up, while she's driving him home to this place upstate, um, she thinks that this guy, who's Santos drunk, thinks that his wife had died because he talks about uh, before the accident, they used mm. to go to this hospital for kids together. Like these kids that are like dying, basically, and put on a show for them. Um, and so in her mind, when she hears that, she thinks that his wife has died and that he's contemplating suicide because he's got this bottle of alcohol. He's already pissed, but he's got this bottle of alcohol and Percocets with him. Um, it was all an innocent mistake, it turns out. Uh, his <laughs> wife is alive. The accident that she had was that she fell off the roof earlier uh, or she's tripped while they were putting... She pulled, she pulled her back out. Pulled her back out. <laughs> um, she uh, realises that she also accidentally stole a car because his was parked in the driveway. So... She asked him, well, whose car is this? And he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Which I just, oh, again, it was hilarious. To Honestly. Me. I meant to laugh there, but it was funny still. I thought it was great, like, drunk acting on his part as well. Very good drunk acting. Very um, drunk acting. The only problem was I couldn't get over how he's Jeremy Jam from Parks and Recreation. Oh, I never watched Parks and Rec. Oh, uh, he's ca- Honestly, his character in that is a f- just an absolute sleazebag in, like, the best ways. Like... He's one of those you really root against him, and they make him so over the top of like a bad person. It's great. Um, so yeah, so Darlene basically has this realization at the door that she made all of these, you know, really like pessimistic, negative assumptions because she's really the one going through it. Um, mm. It's kind of a sad realization watching that, to be honest. But yeah, uh, back in the woods, Tyrell wants to know if Elliot ever cared about him. Elliot says no basically, and they start screaming at each other. Did you ever care about me? I mean, be honest, I can take it. What is the point of this? Just answer the question, did you? Terrell, you didn't make Just it Just answer easy. the question! No! Sound or death? It's just some stupid animal, let's go. Go without me. What? You're giving up? Yeah. I think so. I can't deal with this shit anymore. Come on. Stay out here alone. You can be sure it's game over. You're better than this. Yeah, maybe I was. Not anymore. I'm going. Yeah, go, Elliot. I will. Yeah, good. You don't need me. You never needed me. That's the truth, right? Yeah, that's the truth. I never fucking needed you. You were only in the way. If it weren't for you, the world would have been saved. And you would have been the savior. Is that what you think? Is that the fantasy I ruined for you? Stay here. Die. I don't give a fuck about you. I'm done. 
good. Look around you. All signs lead to the same hopeless destination. And the sooner you realize that, the better. For you're so much in your own hands that you can't see the truth. That it's over. <laughs> it was all shot a bit weird because this goes back to what we were talking about with Elliot and Mr. Robot being in different places. Because um, at one point, Mr. Robot sits next to Tyrell to kind of give him some kind of comforting words, you know, with his role as the pacifying one now. Mm. But Elliot has walked down the road a bit and he's yelling at Tyrell. And Tyrell yells back in his direction, but he literally just been speaking to Mr. Robot like not even a few seconds before. He yeah. was next to him on his left-hand side and he's yelling down the street to his right. That was a bit like, all right, so what? I think it's... I don't know if it... Like, I know before we we had um, a scene similar in, I think, the previous episode or it was it was an ep- a bit where, like, Darlene and Elliot were having, like, a confrontation in, their, in Elliot's apartment. When Elliot... Yeah, Elliot was in the bathroom and Mr. Robot told... Um, it was last season, I think... Um, yeah, when did when did Thingy die? When did Cisco die? That was last last season, mm. right? Well, I mean, this season. They, oh, when it's like there's a bit where like all I remember from the scene for definite is that there's a view from the top of them talking, but Elliot goes to sit down, and um, what I remember is that during the conversation, Mister Robot and Elliot switch like kind of position of who's talking, and whoever they're talking to, which I'm pretty sure was Darlene, actually acknowledges the switch and looks at the other one. Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. So I think they're taking, I think we've kind of got the perspective now because they're working together. They are like, they are more in line. Like before everyone always just seemed to acknowledge Elliot in conversations unless it was, he was definitely Mr. Robot. But like, I think they've kind of put it together a bit more now, if that makes sense. Like it's. No, not really because one was always in the background before. Mm. So whoever was in the background was the one that was not being acknowledged. And it was always used as a tool. The scene I thought you were initially talking about um, it was always used as a tool of showing that Elliot was being pushed aside by Mr. Robot because mm. the scene I, I was referencing was when Elliot was in the bathroom, could hear Cisco and Darlene arguing in the living room with the door oh, yeah, when he was in the bathroom out, and then yeah. hears Mr. Robot telling them to shut up and is confused because he's obviously in the bathroom. So that when they were doing stuff like that, though, it was to show that Mr. Robot was taking over, whereas now it's like they're two separate entities yes they're working together for the first time but they're very much two separate entities but interacting at the same time with the same people yeah and they're not really in my opinion doing enough to make it make sense i get the grand central one that's a great way of doing it because yes elliot did have a view of the entire floor so that made sense uh it was just a dramatization to show mr robot walking around but you can't have tyrell speaking quietly to his left literally a second later yelling down the road to his right that yeah. doesn't make sense time wise if we're talking if we're trying to say that it's the same person you know so i don't know maybe they could have just i don't know whatever but i don't have a hit tv show so what do i know <laughs> <laughs> so anyway after walking off elliot goes back for tyrell and says that he has to keep going to try and save Dar- uh, darlene they come across a dead deer in the road and spot the white van at a distance. Uh, we're kind of cutting in between this scene and a scene of Darlene driving back to the city in this stolen car, by the way. Um, Darlene stops the car and starts screaming and crying. Um, back to the guys, though. The Dark Army guy is at the wheel, dying. He's clearly hit this deer and had an accident. 
he uh, starts shooting at Elliot, misses, thankfully, and uh, then shoots himself in the head because that's what the Dark Army does, <laughs> what everyone seems to do. Um, turns out, though, that one of the bullets that was meant for Elliot uh, actually hit Tyrell in the stomach. Mm. Um, Elliot says, you know, they've got to go to a hospital. I'm not leaving you. Tyrell says, no, the Dark Army will find them if they go to a hospital. He tells Elliot to burn the van and get rid of the evidence and to make sure that he takes care of White Rose before he starts walking off into the distance in this really beautiful scene, by the way, with a gorgeous moon. Um, it was a lovely ending for Tyrell Wellick. We see him uh, walking up to some kind of blue light in the ground. Uh, we don't see what he can see, but it also happens to be the root of where that noise they kept hearing as they were walking mm. through the woods was. It seems to be that's where it was coming from. And he kind of stares in wonder at this blue light at whatever he gets to see. Uh, very much Pulp Fiction with the suitcase and the light that came out of it. Um, but yeah, he's staring at this uh, at this uh, blue light in wonder as the screen fades to white. And that is the end of episode four. So... Nathan, thoughts on episode four and of season four so far? So this one wasn't as plot heavy. Like there was a bit of a less kind of focus on the overall plot. Um, and kind of, I liked that it was very Tyrol focused as well. Mm. Like you had a lot, a lot more of him and obviously giving him quite a beautiful ending as well to it. Um, and kind of like Darlene... Darlene's scenes were a bit, a bit odd, because um, it seems to be about well, it's about her taking care of herself more than anything else, isn't it? I think is what the the overall message of her scenes are is that she, yeah, she's worrying about Elliot, but she needs to worry about herself as well. Yeah, and I think I realised the significance of the drunk Santa too late because uh, I wasn't really making notes on the interactions that she was having with him, but it was that kind of realization that she's stressing out about taking care of Elliot she was in that moment stressing out about taking care of this Santa um you know thinking that he's about to drink and and, and do a bunch of pills and kill himself yeah. that's what you've been doing hun that's literally what you've been doing um and it was that kind of realization of hold on I need to I need to get myself together and I think that that release that screaming and crying when she stopped the car after seeing that sign heading back into New York City was that kind of like acknowledging that shit is fucked but she has to look after herself now i think that's how i read it how did you read the kind of final scene with the light because i i've looked a bit into it since i first saw it mm-hmm. um and the general consensus seems to be obviously there's like a metaphor about you know him going into the light um some people seem to think he found something um best consensus i've seen for what it is is a hunter trail camera for like watching kind of deer paths and it makes deer noises to lure real ones in oh and the light is like one of those kind of infrared ones that's um like but like a kind of like a blood tracking flashlight so that if you shot a deer you'd be able to kind of track its blood range with that with those lights oh cool um but the, the general consensus seems to be that it was it was that, and they just took a bit of artistic license on how bright the light would be, because like a infrared light is barely anything; it's just a glow. Um, yeah, yeah. It's they it's would a... have they would have dramatized it though, because it and and it probably not that I've been about to die, but I imagine that 
things would be more intense so it would probably feel like such a massive glow if it's just a little light you know how like i don't know if you've ever um had surgery or anything and woken up in hospital those lights are so fucking bright it's insane but that's because you're kind of not with it really and i suspect that you're not with it as you're about to die <laughs> so it would feel like wondrous that light if that makes sense but that's really good i didn't even i didn't even think of that but that would explain the sound it would explain everything it explain the deer being there um you would explain just a lot it freaked me out because when i first originally watched through season four it was just after we got our puppy like very late december 2019 mm-hmm. and i was working i think i did was well, the day we got him i was starting to start like doing seven days in a row and I was living with my mum at the time, so we were taking shifts. One of us sleeping on the sofa to watch him all night, and one of us actually sleeping in our own room to get proper night's sleep. And I ended up doing the shift about three days in a row, just sleeping on the sofa with a puppy that was keeping me up all night. So I was very sleep-deprived watching this. <laughs> and that that deer sound freaks me the fuck out. Oh, really? <laughs> like, every time I heard it, I was just like, no, I don't like it. Because <laughs> I, I had to rewind the scene a couple of times, because I fell asleep just during that last little bit. Uh, where Tyrell gets shot, so I had to rewatch it, and like it was the deer sound that woke me up. Oh. Originally, and I had to go back through it, and be like, "Hang on, what the fuck has just happened here?" Just, <laughs> my god, it is. It's it's really impactful. Though. I, I I like it as an ending for Tyrell. It's, it's I thought it was lovely. I really thought it was quiet. a nice ending. It's quiet. He kind of he kind of um, he when you when you know it's about to happen, it's very heavy-handed foreshadowing because mm. he has at least two conversations about how they're going to die and mentions like how quiet it is out there and walking away from life and starting fresh and it's like it, it's in a way it's kind of it could be a metaphor for like he's found something that could be white rose's machine which is what a few people thought he'd found and he's now starting his new loop or he's starting afresh on a new like a new loop with whatever white rose machine is doing you know oh yeah that whole new world type situation yeah 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 i thought it was a lovely ending for him you know i thought it was nice and and um i thought it is it is heavy-handed when you know what's happening but looking back at where he was yelling you know wanting elliot to know whether he ever cared about him and elliot was like no and then they yell at each other and then elliot leaves him but then comes back for him and i think actions speak louder than words there obviously he cares about you and i think him knowing that before he died was lovely um yeah i think you know i've had an up and down relationship with tyrell not gonna lie didn't like him for most of the time he was on my screen but (laughs) um you know he's just one of these characters where i'm supposed to not like you so you did what you came to do you did the right thing in the end effectively you've been through a lot like your wife and baby are gone like you've been through it like you've really been through it and it's like it was actually really nice to see him get a nice ending and not just like getting shot in the back of the head by some random dark army guy do you know what i mean like just Mm. or some shitty situation where he's kidnapped or done you know all that that heroin overdose thing i'm glad it wasn't anything like that i thought it was a nice fitting ending for him yeah definitely agree with all that yeah it's it's like he's very much been very conflict like it's been a very conflicting character because i like parts of him that he's you know just generally just a bit of a dick yeah there like is he's, that. but like he he essentially gave up everything he's gotten 
you know, like with how excited he was for that promotion and like the CEO position was, was it CEO or CTO he wanted at the beginning? It was CTO he wanted at the start, wasn't it? At the start, he was going for CTO, his ambitions yeah. with CTO. Yeah. And then obviously, I guess CEO is the next step up from that. Yeah. And then he's um, like, as soon as he's achieved it, he's got to give all of it up, but it's for the cause of stopping White Rose. Well, yeah. I mean, if you think about how he got CTO, I don't think he'd say it was worth it. He was, um, you can tell, like, as well, he was very disillusioned with it because he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't, yeah. he was just CTO by name. Like, all the, he was and being also, held even, as a hero. Even if he had. Even if he had real CTO um, responsibilities, I think by that point he'd been through so much, it wasn't worth it. Mm. Like if it had just been that, you know, his one of his dastardly plans against Scott Knowles had worked, then yeah, he would have loved it. But he lost everything for that CTO position. So even if mm. he had, even if it wasn't just by name only, I don't think he'd have been that fussed. It's no. too much loss at that point. Do you know what I mean? Like the Dark Army had literally taken everything from him in that view do you know what i mean like he was he'd been kidnapped he'd been all of this shit like he was kept away he comes back he doesn't realize that his wife is dead for ages then like has you know she he has this whole plan of how they're going to go away together with the baby and they're going to escape mm. everything and da, da 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 just to get hit with the reality that every, that's not happening your wife's dead your kids in some random foster care system mm. It's pretty shitty the way you got that CTO. Costa Care system in back in like Sweden as well, I think he said. Like not even in the US. Not even like, in the US. Yeah, child yeah. is the farthest away from it could possibly be. So yeah, it was a nice ending for Tyrell. I'm looking forward to see what they do with the rest of the season. So um this is part one, guys, if you're listening. So we are going to do this in three parts. So we've talked about episodes one to four now. There are 13 episodes in uh, in total. So we are going to talk about five episodes next week for part two. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about the final four episodes of the final season of Mr. Robot. So uh, before we wrap this up, Nathan, is there anything you would like to promote or let the listeners know about? It would just be the usual stuff, you know, just my Twitter, Nathan's Jones, my uh, Instagram for my graphic design, Nayfunk, N-A-Y-F-U-N-K. Um, you know, just have a look on there. If you want me to design something for you, just let me know. Yeah, and as usual, that's all going to be in the description box as well. So please check there if you need spellings or whatever. For me, it's always the usual, the same stuff. At Linda Rishapoopy on Twitter, at Podomercy on Twitter and Instagram. Please go on iTunes and rate us five stars if you like this episode. And I will see you, or we will see you next week. Bye.